You're listening to the Broadway Podcast Network. Hello, and welcome to another fabulous episode of Dear Multi-Hyphenate. It's Michael Kushner, and I am so honored to be your host. I hope everyone is having a fabulous start to your 2021, and that you are having a happy, healthy, and informative Black History Month. I was speaking with my friend Dimitri Moise. They are a previous guest on Dear Multi-Hyphenate, and as we were catching up, they said something that really resonated with me, and that was Black History is 365 and it's very true so as you're creating and being socially aware artists amplify black voices amplify black stories and remember that black history is 365 wow i am excited for you to hear this episode oh my gosh but before we go into that i wanted to give a shout out to all the incredible doers and makers and movers and groovers. I grew up in South Florida and I went to a performing arts program called Next Stop Broadway. And of course, they're pivoting. Of course, they're still allowing kids to study the arts. They just started this amazing new program called NSB, Next Stop Broadway, now. And singing classes, hip-hop, acting, scenes, everything is happening in Coral Springs, Florida. So if you're listening and you're in the Fort Lauderdale area, head over to Next Stop Broadway now because they know what's up. And if you're a mover, shaker, groover that's not in the Coral Springs, Fort Lauderdale area and you're in New York City like I am, I am so excited to announce that the fifth session of Multi-Hype Workshop with previous guests Ashley Kate Adams and Kimberly Faye Greenberg is happening in the beginning of March. Look, this is who this class is for. Any active multi-hyphenate artists that are thriving but need to focus on balancing their artistic output, artists that are curious to explore their identity and are opening up their mind to erase previous industry expectations and individualistic thinking that held them back from being progressive, or the up-and-coming multi-hyphenate, the artist who wants to begin but doesn't know where to start. If you fit in any one of those categories and you are attracted to this podcast and the multi-hyphenate life, contact me right now. Drop me a message on Instagram at Dear Multi-Hyphenate or at the Michael Kushner or email us multihypeworkshop at gmail.com and we'll make sure that you get into the fifth session. And all sessions are virtual, so it doesn't matter where you are. Get into the multi-hyphenate mindset now. And you better hurry because we sell out fast. Now come on multi-hyphenates, let's get this episode started. I'm really excited to start this new segment called You Got a Question? I want to start the segment because I've actually been having a lot of people contact me through messages or email with questions regarding multi-hyphenation. And there's some really great conversations happening, so I wanted to bring them on air. So this first, you got a question, belongs to Taryn. Taryn asks, I'm writing because I have a nagging question and I think you might be able to point me in the right direction. I've been wondering, what are my hyphenates? I know I'm an actor and a singer, and I do those things really well, but what are my other hyphenates, and how do I discover them? Well, Taryn, this is a great question, so thank you for writing it. 
I think we feel pressured to have hyphenates in the first place, especially with how fast the business can go. I'd tie in actor and singer as one. For me, that's the general performer hyphen. But if you were a songwriter, that's a different story because that implements different skill sets and types of communication, networking, ways to promote, etc. I'd just take a good look around you and wonder what interests you to begin with. Is there a story you're wanting to tell uh, that you haven't before? What are the ways you can start to do that? I know this might be awful to say, but a quantifier to adding to your hyphens would be if you're making money or building an audience with those projects. That's my personal opinion. Others would say no. If you make something, then you're that hyphen. But my problem with that is that people all of a sudden start to identify in all these creative ways but never actually do anything with it. Um, that's why hobbies are different than hyphens. If you feel that you can certainly talk with Gusto about whatever you're selling, then congratulations, you are a multi-hyphenate. Sometimes we feel art needs to feel right every second. And that's the thing, it doesn't. It's a journey. We don't have answers for what we create most of the time because we're exploring ourselves through the creation. Who knows what sort of medium you will break into if you don't just try something. And that, my friends, is... You got a question? Thank you, Taryn, for writing. And if you got a question, you can email me at michaelpaulkushner at gmail.com or message me on Instagram at dearmultihyphenate. And check out the next episode and see if your question will be answered by me. And now to introduce my guest. Salala Brock recently completed a two-year position as assistant dance captain swing with the Book of Mormon Second National Tour. Currently, she's producing and co-hosting a new podcast called Unk, Getting Comfortable with Uncomfortable Conversations, which recently was awarded a grant from the Adobe Community Residency Fund. Other theater credits include Parable of the Sower at the Public Theater, Satchel Page and the Kansas City Swing, Cincinnati Playhouse, The Color Purple, Troika Bermuda, and Twelfth Night, Martha's Vineyard Playhouse. TV film credits include Mysteries of Laura, Happyish, Broad City, Canaries, and Bushwick Beats. For more on Salala Brock, visit www.salala.com. That's www.tsilala.com. And now let's start the episode with a quote. I found this quote by Dr. Octavius Bishop, and it's, Be open to every uncomfortable, awkward, difficult conversation you will engage. Disturb the ground to grow, then adjust the margin of grace. I am so thrilled to welcome my guest for this episode of Dear Multi-Hyphenate, Salala Brock. How are you? Hello, hello. Hi. How, how do you feel about the quote? I'm really resonating with disturbing the ground to grow, um, preparing to talk to you as well as just in the reflection that's happened this week, prioritizing growth in our lives when structures prioritize money um, is a really big lesson that I'm trying to refocus on. So you have to kind of fall in, re-fall re in love if you didn't do it in the school years what like falling in love with growing and falling in love with learning and being like a life life educator life student so that that completely resonated with me because especially in unk the conversations we have on my podcast i'm never come out without bettering myself from learning from other people but that has to start from me assuming that i'm don't have it all and that other people do 
have something to share to give to me. So you reminded me of active listening and how Salal is nodding her head right now. <laughs> and it's like, of, and I think I forget to do that because as someone that records a podcast, I'm, I'm listening and I'm, I don't want to say that I'm trying to figure out the dramatic structure of the episode in the moment, but there is a part of me that goes, where is this conversation going? What is my next question? You know, have really having to sort of control the narrative here, but you really reminded me about active listening and how important that is. And especially in uncomfortable conversations, which so many of us are having now. So how did you form Unk and, uh, how, why did you feel the need? Why did you feel that we needed Ankh in our lives? Thank you so much for that question. Uh, Ankh started as an idea in my head in 2016, right after the election with Donald Trump winning. And I had two friends, um, both different walks of life. And one of them had come up to me and sort of uh, complained about a black woman in their office sort of rolling their eyes at the white folks in her office who were crying and shocked by this election. And, uh, you know, I had taken a couple of days of silence because I just didn't want to talk to people. So I, I understand both sides. But um, a, a white man complaining to me about a black woman in his office saying, wake up and smell the roses, like this is where most of us have been was the start of me saying, oh, we don't know how to have the full conversation because I had to, for the first time, like work through my body felt weird and I was shaking, say to him straight to his face in our kitchen, like um, that's not her responsibility to hold your shock and surprise. And uh, you cannot ask anything else of her in that moment. Um, and I didn't know how to, I didn't know how to do that. But I got through it by the end, we were talking about other things and talking about romance partners. And it just felt like, wow, if I had not gone through the uncomfortable conversation, I would have held some sort of resentment or anxiety or stress around what I should have said, rather than now I feel light and fine and ready to move on with the rest of the day. And I have a better connection to my, new, to my friend, to my roommate. And so that was the start of Ankh. Let's have uncomfortable conversations because I think, especially in 2016, we, we, don't know how, we don't know how to do them and get through them. So that leads me uh, to my next question. Thanks for sharing that. Um, the podcast is amazing and I'm so glad to be a part of it. Uh, me too. How do you identify as a multi-hyphenate? <laughs> I, yeah, the biggest breath as I take I know, this right? in. Oh um, you know, around 2016, I had a lot of trouble with being a multi-hyphenate because I had serious negative narratives in my head that being a podcast host or doing something other than the goal that I aspired to be that, you know, my family put money into for my school would um, alienate me from my future or from my perceived future. Right. Um, so I resonate with being a multi-hyphenate in really being truly sure of my purpose. I did uh, the workshop with you and um, it's so clear now how your why statement really 
uh, solidifies and and leaves no question unanswered um, with the decisions you the steps or the the projects you decide to take on. So when I realized that my why statement encompassed uncomfortable conversations, encompassed uh, sharing and learning while I share the tools to have uncomfortable conversations was always, a, I mean, it fits into the statements that I wrote in my essays to get into college. Right. Then the, um, the, the guilt or the embarrassment that I was going to be like removing myself from my path. And then also like casting wouldn't know what to do with me <laughs> sort of, sort of melted away. So when I had the time in the pan, in the panoramic, I decided let's do it. And isn't that incredible that your multi-hyphenate skills and background affected your your biggest professional credit, which mm -hmm. was Book of Mormon. I mean, you're dance captain mm -hmm. and you were a swing on that tour, correct? Yes, swing and assistant dance captain. I mean, that, if I, I've never swung and I uh, bow down to swings, but for those of you that are listening that aren't actors or aren't in the theater industry and don't know what a swing is, a swing basically learns is as a member of the ensemble that basically learns all uh, tracks in the ensemble. So can go in for a different uh, uh, role in the ensemble at any given moment. And there's like, how many did Mormon have? Mormon had uh what 12 boys and then five girls wow so and you and you know they covered different uh different actors and can you know some shows depending on injuries or who's calling out you can be in two three different tracks at once mm -hmm. best and nights I, best nights were when oh. the uh, too many girls had left and so we had to remind one of the swing boys the girls parts and i would be on the side doing my part as one of the people on stage plus directing someone on stage without letting the audience know to make sure that everyone felt safe and you know it becomes it, it becomes a community effort everyone has to sort of support the person who's learning on the job yeah that's, that's a way can you dive into that a little more? I want it just story time with me for a second. I really want to know. Like, so what was the craziest moment you had as a swing on Mormon? So uh, actually in the beginning of January, 2020, a ton of us were sick. Surprise, 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 surprise. Wow. Before we knew what COVID was. And um, the lead, uh, Nabulungi, was sick. So that meant that one of the ensemble understudies had to take her place, but then also another ensemble member was also sick. So we had to fill in, uh, and someone was on holiday. So someone, we, there's only two female swings. So that's two people covered and another gap in the, on the stage. So one of the boys, some of the boys actually are contracted to do some female roles. Um, knew the movement because the movement's relatively the same, but the tracking is a whole different thing. So between every scene, whenever we were off stage, I would be with my, um, you know, swing Bible and his swing Bible. And we would go through and like have our section backstage that no one would touch because they understood this was a very intense moment. And we would go through it, go on stage, do it. I would like nod and yes while I was dancing whenever I could look at him. And then we'd come back off stage. And, and I mean, it was a wonderful job and so much fun because it was new. And so, you know, the whole stage was electric, but it it, it is it is a, a insurmountable amount of work to know your stuff and everyone else's stuff and make sure that uh, the 
the guy that's jumping into a girl's position knows that you're going to have to react to this taller man in a different way than she would have. Mm -hmm. And you know, make sure safety wise that you know to really give yourself enough space to move past in that transition because you're a bigger person and that's going to change the safety on stage. So lots of things to think about all at once. And you find out truly seconds before you have to go on stage. That's the thing with swing life. It's like, hey, Salala, please be in a wig. See you in two minutes. <laughs> okay, here we are. Let's go. Oh, I love it. I love it so much. And But that brain, that brain translates into the multi-hyphenate life, you know, of, of saying, all right, here's a proficiency I can call on. And now I'm going to put on that wig or, you know, the director hat or the producer hat and play that part in that moment and commit to it. It's really interesting. I'm thinking about it now. Book of Mormon is, I mean, first of all, such a successful show and a well-oiled engine, right? So then to be a part of it um, emboldened my confidence in myself that, oh, I can successfully do this excellent work, which then actually blossomed into me doing projects on my own. That was in those two years, I, um, I'm a singer-songwriter. I wrote, directed, produced, um, and helped edit a music video for my first song that I filmed back home in Bermuda. That is when I you know, started thinking of Unk again. That's when I started writing different play ideas. And like, you know, the, the confidence that I wish I didn't have to wait to get when, I, when it was proven to me by a different organization um, allowed for me to say, great, well, let's make things because you know your standards of excellence, so let's go. I love that. Your standards of excellence. What are Salala's standards of excellence? Um, a clear why. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, it's a big one for me right now. So thank you for doing that. Um, yeah. As well as if you have a clear why, then the storytelling is really clear. And then um, I think uh, execution, specificity. I've been really big on like, completion is the goal just to complete because I there's this idea that um, I have to be ready I have to be perfect so that I can do the thing without realizing that after that thing there are 12 other things that you want to accomplish as well but you can't see them because it feels like such a long world long road from where you are to that first goal um, so uh, this is a phrase that I heard today that's been bouncing around my head, which is the life that you want is on the other side of discipline. So specificity and discipline and a clear purpose, a clear why is my standards of excellence. Beautiful. Discipline for me is, is a big one because I feel I'm really disciplined in aspects of my life and I could, I could, uh, I could carry that down to people that want to coach with me or people that take my classes or people that listen to this podcast. I really feel that I could carry that down, but I'm not disciplined in so many different ways. Like what I was alluding to in the beginning with like health, like going, Michael, today's a rest day, you know, and we were just talking right before the episode started about you sort of going through the same thing. So I, how, how do you feel that um, being in tune with your body and your spirit 
kind of keys into discipline, artistic discipline? You cannot do good work if you don't have the energy to do it. And your body will tell you like your body, you know, when I was in high school, whatever drama was happening in the social life and I was stressed over work and I had like a style on my eye and I had a headache and I was like, oh, these are, these are um, indicators from my body saying, hold up, take a second so that you can actually sustain your work. Um, I was sharing with a friend of mine, all the things that I was doing mm-hmm. right now. And mm-hmm. as I was sharing it, I got tired yeah. <laughs> and I was like, oh, to prioritize and stay connected to my why, I also need to know how to um, hand things off that I, that someone else can do. I also need to know how to prioritize, you know, there are six, seven things I want to do with Unk. Two of them need to be done in the next two months, not all six. That's important. Um so that I have space and time for the other things that I want to do with my getting headshots with you, with my um, getting, you know, a, a bigger team because of the writing I'm doing, which I'm really excited to tell you about. Um, yeah. So did I answer your question? Oh, my gosh. Yeah, of Sorry. course. But I, I could talk to you about about this forever. And uh, I'm so excited that you're coming to the studio for pictures because it's going to yeah. be so fun. But, uh, you know, um, you were mentioning before about about rest because I had a moment when I was showering this morning I was a little like oh Michael okay you're a little overwhelmed and if I have a moment to myself where I go you're a little overwhelmed I'm overwhelmed Mm because I I could bury it I could bury it and go nope it's time to what you said before it's time to deliver it's time to uh, to complete this you know to deliver until completion and Mm -hmm. like and and i could do that i could deliver a great product and rarely feel overwhelmed or feel overwhelmed in that good sense of like i have a place to go i have a place to be but for some reason this morning i was a little like you're overwhelmed Mm -hmm. you're overwhelmed and it stung it stung so i i have issues implementing rest i sleep well like when i go to bed i pretty much stay asleep until it's time to wake up but resting is it i don't know how to implement that into my schedule have you found ways where you can do that because you said that you're doing that right now yes i mean so i i'm actually curious like what other ways can can rest look like (laughs) i i uh went to visit my mother but because of covid reasons we sort of stayed in our own separate spaces so i was alone and you know i was raised as a single child for the first time in nine months not sharing a space with anyone just doing my work wow i got a lot done and then i came back to my home and i was with you know my partner and sort of talking to the same people and getting back into routine and all of a sudden my friend was like talking to me said sorry do you have the capacity for this and i was like actually i totally do and that was rest because i I had alone time, like I could, Mm -hmm. I had process time. Um, Today, between feeling like I have shortness of breath to, um, you know, running up and down the stairs without eating, feeling like you have shortness of breath and then feeling faint. I was like, cool, cool, cool. So I'm not going to write my musical today and edit the second draft like I planned. I'm going to read my favorite book again in bed with some tea in my onesie. And that's been very healthy. I wish I was doing it without feeling sick, but it is, um, 
hopefully in the same vein, a place for tomorrow and this weekend, I'll say I have the capacity for more because I gave myself that time. If you're not flexible and just charging ahead, but don't have that space, how well is the work going to come out? Exactly. Or even just the presence and connection within the humans that are trying to do this thing in a panoramic at the same time. Exactly. That is just the word I'm using for this now because it's ridiculous. I love panoramic. (laughs) But it was, today I was tired. Salala, I was tired. Mm. And um, I did wonder. I was sort of like getting ready for today's shoot. And I was like, how am I going to pull it out? How am I going to do this? And I was like, you've, you've, you've trained your whole life for these moments, honey. You know to put it on. You know when you need to fill that ref- – you know when it's time to refill that tank. When is your next half day off? I'm not tomorrow. even saying – oh, okay, great. Actually, tomorrow. Okay, great. And okay. Which, is, which is good because I'm going to, you know, take it easy. I, I've gotten into the routine of, like, taking vitamins – and uh, making smoothies with just like mm-hmm. only fruit and like fun, you know what I mean? Like like no no sugar. What is, <laughs> you know? what is water? Like just doing the health. Exactly. Things. What is water? <laughs> and and figuring out these um these basic needs has really been able to let me go. All right, you can survive this shoot because one. It's not the end of the world. You're not on the front lines, you know, fighting a war. You can do a photo shoot. You're okay. And number two, you do have the energy in there. You do have the reserves. You can do it. And then as soon as this is done, put on your robe, chill out, have a snack, pour a glass of water. So uh, rest is even a mindset, even when you're Mm -hmm. active. Even when you're active, rest is a mindset, being in a restful state. My my big sister mentor goes on two walks a day. And mm-hmm. this week I sent her a text. I said, hey, Helgi. Also, Helga, I'll send you her podcast. She is in herself a multi-hyphenate, great, great artist and podcaster. Um, that. Uh, you know, she's uh, older than me, big sister mentor, sort of like an extreme uh, shooting star that don't, that don't ever die. Like that's yes. energy. Um, and I was like, can I go for a walk with you? Just let me know. And I'm thinking like, you know, like a, like a two o'clock walk or something. And she's like, great. I'll see you outside your door at 745. And I didn't oh. say no. Like I could have, there was, you know, there's nothing stopping me from saying no. I, she lives right next to the door. I could have come to her walk number two, but then I was like, I haven't been up that early. I'm, I'm practicing letting life thrill me. Yes. Surprise me. So let me see what Harlem looks like at eight, <laughs> you know, and the walk. I mean, we just walked down to Central Park, we had our masks on, the air, sort of like, yes, beautiful greenery, trash in the pond, chat trash in the pond. But yeah, I mean, it it is in itself her consistent routine for finding rest and finding space to just explore without doing things, like yeah. achieving things. Um, and that's that's a practice of rest as well. I know this is so silly, but like, you know, what drag race having that. Hey, oh my gosh. Watching, yeah. Are you watching the season? 
Oh my gosh, yes. And I just found out that um, the queen who won the first night is G- is in Gigi Good's world. Like they are yes. the same family, which I love. Yes, which we love. We yeah. love that because we love Gigi. And also, Good. like that's why, like the clothes, they're so so specific and like pricey. Got it. Yeah, I'm literally obsessed with Simone. She is, uh, yeah. I she is my front runner for the season. We love her. I also love um, uh, Gottmik. Those are those are my Got two. Me. I also like um the girl who was like, oh yeah, I don't think that I'm, um uh on competition, and then like came out Beyonce fired, and everyone was like, she's so charming, and she just makes you happy. Right, exactly, and then she and then she won. She, she did. Uh, she, right. So, um, Drag Race for me is a is a is a form of rest because I know that when I watch that show, I could turn it off. I could just invest in that show, get lost, and like sort of go wow <laughs> and have this childlike wonder while watching the show mm-hmm. it's something i can look forward to every friday i know it's there and i could just pour now you know kombucha because i'm not drinking right now but pour a glass of kombucha and just enjoy yeah. myself you know and um let someone else do the show for a second because yeah. entertain entertaining myself gets a little tiring i need a i need a, <laughs> i need a break yeah i mean we're also audience members anybody persons who who's an artist like has a love for storytelling and and falling into the story you know exactly and we're gonna pick up this conversation right after these messages so what show tell me about the show that you're writing Okay, so I'm very excited in sort of um, the theme of keeping th- storytelling and theater alive in this times. Have you heard of the Ratatouille TikTok show that yeah. happened? So 100%. I missed that and I'm very upset about it because I just got <laughs> like the full rundown. I'm, yeah, I'm very upset about that. But my uh, friend from Book of Mormon, who was a standby for Cunningham, he and his writing partner, they've written stuff for Nymph, etc. Um are doing one million musical podcasts and they write funny, funky musicals um, that are audio based. So, you know, you can hear the creak of the door or whatever. And they said, okay, we can't write one million musicals every single time. So let us celebrate other writers who are writing things. So they reached out to a few of their friends who they knew were writing things. And I am one of them and said like, we'll give you our team. We'll give you our musicians. We'll give you our band. We'll give you our editing. We'll give you our experience and our edits. And, take four to seven minutes and write an excerpt of something. So it took me about a week to realize that instead of adding just anything to my already busy agenda, I wanted to adapt a a TV episode that I had been writing, like I've been writing a series um, and make it into a musical because it challenges you to see if you know the characters and know the plot, et cetera. And I love it better. I'm very excited about it. So it's called Junebug the Musical. Think Black, I Love Lucy. You only see inside the home, except you also feel the civil rights movement on the outside coming in. And the question is, will she or will she not become a civil rights hero? Or really a hero, in this case, a civil rights hero. And all you do is see, for me, it's really important, set in Detroit and the glamour of Detroit before the riots, um, a Black woman in joy a black woman seeking and finding her purpose and individuality outside of her husband. And you just see her home. You see her dealing with her clothes and her 
kitchen and her pot roast, but you also feel the world that we know so well from the media, from the stories of the 60s. But Black people, you don't get to really see that joy in the 60s. So playing around with the music of that time and the storytelling and then also the fun and farceness that I'm trying to bring to it, it's been exciting. So I can't wait for you all to hear it. <laughs> Yay. I, I can't wait to hear it. Are you kidding me? We have the I Love Lucy. We have the Honeymooners. We have those shows but mm-hmm. now we're getting it from a totally different perspective mm-hmm. with but we're not ignoring the world around right you're gonna hear it in the new on the radio you know the mom's gonna bring it up because they're worried you're gonna hear it in the phone calls but black people had joy but the reason we're still here the reason we survived black people found joy black people found ways to cope through music etc and like have that have the funniness have her aspire for hopes and dreams that have nothing to do with the civil rights and then deal with it. I think that particularly women of color and queer people are predominantly who make up the multi-hyphenate family. Mm -hmm. Because our stories were not mainstreamed, have not been mainstream until recently. So we have been the ones that have had to write them ourselves Mm -hmm. and get them on their feet ourselves and tell our own stories ourselves without anyone else's help. Yeah. What do you think of that? Yeah. I wrote down some names of people, um, two women of color. I don't think they're queer, but maybe, um, but then I, I, what's popping to my head is like Audre Lorde, who was a multi-hyphenate in her own right as a writer and a poet, a traveler. And, um, I've been talking a lot about how the folks that are pushing our society forward are the ones that are doing the reflection and then shining a light for everyone else to see. Um, And they often are queer people of color. What's interesting is that the multi-hyphenate has existed forever. Mm -hmm. And we're all of a sudden acting as if it's this new thing, and it's not. I mean, the the definition of multi-hyphenate says... uh, it says basically like um, a, an, a person, particularly a celebrity, who has multiple proficiencies or something like that. And I'm like, why does it why does it have to be a celebrity? Mm-hmm. Why? And but that makes perfect sense, because like when I was a younger artist and I was like doing these things, you know, these having these multiple proficiencies, people would go, when are you going to pick one? Or I can't believe, oh, aren't yeah. you an actor? Aren't you an actor? But no one says that to, to Lynn. Right. You know, yeah. who's a celebrity. Or yeah. no one says that to Mel Brooks. Mm-hmm. Well, I think of like Stacey Abrams, who is, wrote romance novels before we knew her name under Selena Montgomery. And she, no, she said, she, no one, you know, if someone said, why are you doing that? Or don't do that. Or that's going to be bad for your career or whatever. She was like, whatever, I'm good at writing this and it's fun for me. And I like these characters. So we're going to do that as well. And the like, um, uh, unapologetic, your rules don't apply to me is really, um, it's, I think it really shows you what we're capable of. Like, look at Rihanna. Rihanna is a celebrity. But she is Fenty this, Fenty that, socks this, then shoes, then this, then also she's running this. Issa Rae just finished five years of a successful uh, 
or just finished, she's going to do her final season, they just announced of Insecure, which started as Awkward Black Girl on um, YouTube. I saw her for the first time when she was going around fundraising in different colleges because wow. she was um, directing and editing and the people that wanted her to bring the show to a, a big platform wanted to change the girl to be a light-skinned awkward black girl who's not that quite awkward at all and so she had to keep on pushing which means leading a team by herself and now she's some cool celebrity who gets to also mentor and also teach others and lead a team but it started with her saying I'm going to do it mm-hmm. here's the camera here's the direction here's the script here's the place I will scout it let I mean that is saying your rules do not apply to me I know that my destiny is to create and to storytell and to make people think. It doesn't have to be in your studio for it to happen. And that's like um, admirable. That's that's awesome in the in the form of like full of awe. Like that's amazing to me. It's it, yes, it is. And she recently in a recent article or interview, she she used the word multi-hyphenate did she really she did which i was like fierce yes i love it yeah it's coming up a lot it is coming up a lot and um and it and i love i love that of course i just you know i don't want it to become the new quirky that would you know that word which uh i can't um i can't stand the word quirky i can't put it in any other uh way other than i can't stand the word quirky because um because everyone is self-proclaimed as quirky now Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. (laughs) and it's a word that had its meaning whenever it was but then someone heard it and it sort of became like the herpes of ways to describe yourself like everyone got it (laughs) and um can't get rid of it and i want people to go deeper to dive deeper you know, so if we are going to use the word multi-hyphenate as a way to describe ourselves, I hope that it's supported well. I hope that people actually are multi-hyphenates and not just because they're interested in things or that they want to be one, but they actually are active multi-hyphenates. No, I, I definitely hear that. I think there's also a bit of a, what's that word you just used? Yes, and there is. Without the specificity around clarifying and being able to answer that question. And also many people might not. Many people might just go, okay, sounds posh and move through it. Um, that's where the confusion lies. It's true. It's true. Even I, when people go, what do you do? I go, oh, I'm a multi-hyphenate. It's a, there's a little bit of an apologetic attachment to it because I go, I don't know if you know this word or are you going to think that I'm a little crazy for using this word? Or are you going to think that I'm like, you know, coming up with an excuses as to like, why I don't have a Broadway credit yet? You know, like there's so much in my own head, but it doesn't have anything to do with the other person. It ha- it, it, it's about how I view myself. Mm-hmm. Yeah. There's a, an Instagram quote that's been going around from Diana Ross that I'm just going to summarize that says like, there will always be negative thoughts in your head. You have to provide the positive thoughts so that it's balanced out and you can focus on which you choose which one you focus on. So when those thoughts are coming up from you, Michael, it just makes me think of uh, 
the work you're doing now defines what multi-hyphenate is, right? I could say, oh, I'm an artist. And then that can be assumed a very like hodgepodge. Oh, oh, the artist on the street in Paris that like just isn't making any money and blah, blah, blah. No, no, I'm a multi-hyphenate because of the things that I've accomplished in different fields that all serve my purpose as a storyteller. And they all serve each other. Right, totally. Oh my gosh, and on Ankh, so we got a grant for um, from Adobe for Unk to help showcase sort of animated visuals of what deflection looks like and denial and other uncomfortable reactions. I have learned how to storyboard. I have learned how to direct, mm-hmm. find an animator. Um, I, I already do voice work, but voicing characters, I mean, that kind of work, color coding on Premiere Pro, editing on Premiere Pro, editing on Pro Tools, those are things that I'll be able to use for any other project I'm working on. The Scratch for Dreambug, the musical, if I don't have the money for it, don't worry, I got it. Like that's, mm-hmm. that is feeding my other work. And so my skill sets have been um, raised because of the discipline that I'm using, because of the clear intention for why I'm doing it. You know? Yes. I like to say, you know, as multi-hyphenates, we have proficiencies. Those are those are the big umbrellas. You know, for me, it's actor, photographer, writer, producer, and podcaster. And then underneath them, we have our skills. Mm-hmm. And, and those are the storyboards, the, um, you know, the final cuts, the, mm-hmm. um, you know, the photoshops, the, the this, the that, that are able, our skills are able to then broaden our proficiencies and make us actually proficient in those things. Because when we say we're multi-hyphenate, we're not dabbling. Mm -hmm. We're getting paid to get these stories across, to be a creator. That's what a multi-hyphenate is. It's what you just said. And it's, it's living. It's by living by those rules, those boundaryless it's a little bit of an oxymoron. They're boundaryless rules of like, <laughs> you know, uh, um, I'm not going to listen to what anyone has to say. I'm just going to be honest and truthful in my art and see where that takes me. Mm-hmm. And that's the exciting thing about being a multi-hyphenate is that we make our own, we make our own destinies. We truthfully go, we figure out ways to tell the stories when no one else wants to help us tell them. And I think if you're clear on that, right? Like the clearer you get with your destiny, then the more people, the more like-minded people you'll find along the way. Right. And they might not have found the multi-hyphenate word yet, but they also are a photographer and a rapper and also can edit down the wazoo. And I'm like, amazing. So let me see how I can work with you because um, my biggest, I think, lesson right now in my multi-hyphenate journey is as a team leader, like as a leader, I'm, I'm starting an LLC and I have a lawyer and it's very exciting, but mm-hmm. what can I designate? Because it doesn't always have to be now that I have those like-minded people who support not me, but the purpose of what we're doing, the why. If they're all mm-hmm. in it for the, for, the, for the focus, for the future, for they see the value, and they all have these other amazing skill sets, then the lessons in saying rest and giving myself space to focus on what's going to be what I know I can do best 
and give the stuff that I am proficient in to someone who's excellent in it is great for me. Cause then I can say my excellent in these three things that I've already performed and proven and you're excellent in these two things give us five excellent things together. Amazing. Yes. Well said. And multi-evidence don't, we don't pretend that we're perfect and amazing at everything. We're not, we're not. Right. We, ha we have to ask for help. As a matter of fact, multi-hyphenates can't exist without help and without a team. Right. We just don't ask, we just don't wait for permission to do something. Mm -hmm. So, mm -hmm. you know what I mean? We just don't wait for permission. We, we, we bite the bullet and we go for it and we make those choices. But like you said, we find those people on our journey. And as we're, as we're, you know, achieving our destinies, we're finding the people that are going to help us get there. And in turn, we'll help those people get to theirs as well. Right. Yeah. We face each other and it's not about competition. Because I think when asking for permission, I think of this little small tiny door that I imagined in my head that I'm supposed to get through to become a Broadway actor. You know, whatever the who the powers that be that decided that it's a trickle and you're only allowed to get in there with this many credits and this many experiences or access or whatever. And I think in this time, in this like year of pause, where actually people aren't pausing, everyone is saying, oh, I'm busier than I ever was, because they are not looking at the door. In yeah. fact, they found a whole new land. And that is really exciting. I think that um, I'm curious in your feedback from the show and the conversations you're having, how many more people recognize uh, or have proven to themselves that they are multi-hyphenate multi and proficient and active in many things that all serve their goals in, in their artistry. And it's a lot more than people think, truthfully. Yeah. You know, it's, it's a lot of people, uh, a lot of people in my eyes are multi-hyphenates and, and, as of right now, they wouldn't even dare say that, mm -hmm. you know what I mean? And, but that's kind of been the fun journey is that, um, is watching people sort of reevaluate their artistic identity and figuring out their next steps and, and seeing where the multi-hyphenate life takes them. And it can take you far. I, I encourage everyone who's not, as you said, a celebrity, to know that your standards of excellence, you can make just as good a thing. Salala, Brock, you are amazing. Mm -hmm. I'm so glad that you uh, are now in the Dear Multi-Hyphenate family. Me too. Is there anything that we can check you out, do, pitch, whatever you got to pitch, now's the time. Great. You can find me at uh, Salala or Salala Brock on Instagram and Twitter. My website is Salala.com. Unk's website is unkunck.org. Please follow us. Please take a look at what we're doing. If there's an uncomfortable conversation you want to have, let us know. Season two is all about the tools we need to use to get through the conversations. Season one was really about talking about uncomfortable topics. We're always going to mix those in, but now let's actually have some really uncomfortable conversations offline, 
online, let's use the tools through active listening or understanding deflection or don't yuck my yum or only using I statements, as well as a really exciting unk house that is totally unks, that is a navigational tool that you can use room by room to get you to better understandings from whatever conversation you're having. Um, it's a really valuable tool. It's also a great way to be reminded that reflection is a form of learning. Um, come join us. Thank you so much, Salala, for being here. And I am so proud to be a part of the Unk family, and I'm so proud that you are a part of the Dear Multi-Hyphenate family. Thank you to Broadway Podcast Network, my producer, Alan, Dory, Katie, Britt, and Stan, who is the engineer for this episode. Please follow me on social media at the Michael Kushner or at Dear Multi-Hyphenate. I post lots of inspirational goodies, recaps from episodes, bonus stuff. It's just good. Just follow me. I'll follow you back. We're creating a community here, a big multi-hyphenate community. And again, if you want to take a workshop led by me and two previous guests, Kimberly Faye Greenberg and Ashley Kate Adams, take session five of multi-hype workshop now. Unlock your full multi-hyphenate potential. Thank you, everyone. And don't forget to subscribe, like, comment, rate, tell your friends, do whatever you got to do. I so appreciate you. I love chatting with you. And I'm sending you love. Bye. Hey, it's Leslie Odom Jr. here on the Broadway Podcast Network to tell you about the RISE Theatre Directory, a program of maestro music. RISE is a national online resource designed to connect and empower backstage and administrative and creative theatre professionals from underrepresented backgrounds. If you work or aspire to work in the theater community, this can help you find your next project. And if you hire theater professionals, search the Rise Theater directory to find your next team. Create your profile now and get more information by visiting risetheater.org. That's theater with an R-E-R-I-S-E-T-H-E-A-T-R-E dot org because only together we rise.